Hey, welcome everybody. It's No Driving Gloves. We're off a pretty good episode with Tony Watley last week. I think it's inspired the co-hosts a little bit, and we're just going to kind of shotgun episode it tonight. No one set topic. We're going to see where, what sticks to the board tonight. How are you guys doing? Man, just trying to stay warm and kicking like a pack of ninjas. Yeah, what I guess what Will said. Uh, yeah. No, I'm doing good. Doing good. Just working. Well, I'm going to open with uh, my opening volley and complaint. I've noticed with this uh, recent time change, a lot of people bought new cars over the summer with uh, damn daytime running lights. How about you learn to turn your damn headlights on? I'm tired of driving home at 4.30 or going to work at 6 in the morning, following these idiots that have their daytime running lights on and no taillights, so I come up on them at 90 miles an hour and, you know, all of a sudden there's a kind of a car there. Or you expect me to see you when you do a lane change or whatever. Let's just learn to use our headlights and read an owner's manual. Either one of you have this driving or is this just a new level of idiocracy in Birmingham? I think you're just a butthole, John. You just need to chill, man. I think you said Golly. you said that too. I, I was going to say, you know what? <laughs> Why don't you people that drive 90 mile an hour learn to slow down and not come flying up on those of us that don't turn our taillights on? Mr. 2012 pickup, I know you, well, you probably well, do have that problem. <laughs> being that um, when I leave the house, I take... Uh, both of my daughters to school every morning. Uh, they go to the same school, but they're in um, the the schools aren't connected, so you know they're about a mile and a half apart. That so makes them the two different. I leave the, it, it's the same school. One's just a high school. One's just elementary school. They're not on the same campus. That makes it two different schools. No, it's the same school because it's hoax bluff. It's the same school system. Really funny, because we established like a week or two weeks ago, Hoax Bluff only has like one graduate. Well, yeah, you know. I mean, hopefully that'll be my daughter in four years, right? <laughs> well, you took credit for it. <laughs> um, no, I... Well, see, but this says a lot, because clearly, clearly they can't in there to tell if it's one or two buildings. You know, one or two different schools, you know. Yeah, 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 whatever. That may be the way y'all done it up north, but that ain't how we do it in the south. Anyway, that's the way a that's the way a damn Yankee counts. That's okay. right, damn Yankee. Being that I have less than uh, a five mile commute from my house, dropping both girls off and back to the shop, you know, it's really not that much of an issue for me. Okay, maybe that's just a little isolated on my end, but that that's just kind of. You are in Birmingham as well. Read that uh, I read today that uh, Sam Foose passed away this morning. And that would be uh, Chip's father, correct? Yep, that's Chip's dad. Just a uh, you know an an icon and a legend in the in the hot rod industry. You know he's been around for a long, long time and was doing really cool stuff even before Chip was born. You know, and Chip just kind of took the God given gift that his dad gave him and just kind of took it to the next level. And, you know, it sucks to see, uh, see somebody like that pass on. And he had a few years in there and he had some, I mean, cool builds. And obviously some of what he had trickled down to chip. And like you said, chip took it to a new level, heard some interesting stories about chips early days when he was with Boyd and, it's amazing the number of people that came out of Boyd's shop. You know, we lost Boyd a few years back, and it seems that a lot of these icons that unfortunately created the reality TV that we have today uh, keep slipping away. And uh, we're, you know, got to enjoy enjoy their work while they're here, and I guess take nothing for granted. I didn't mention on the podcast. You know, I lost my grandfather about a week, week and a half ago. And he, you know, he's kind of what got me into uh, working with my hands. My great-grandparents were tool and die makers for International Harvester and John Deere, respectively. And why my grandfather took the office route and did accounts payable for International Harvester for many years up until they shut down in 1983. 
he's the one who taught me my woodworking and somehow the family goes through that. And I kind of learned of his passing as I was driving by the storage location where that 62 Chrysler is that I refer to every now and then. And it been an interesting week, but really does teach you to enjoy them while we got them. I always enjoyed the interviews with Chip and uh, Sam and seeing where people came from. And I think it's I think it's an interesting time for people of our generation, the the age range that you and and Will and I represent, John, because right now in the car world, as kind of as a whole, even you know we're seeing some of these legendary builders passing. We're seeing some extremely well passing and collections are are going up for auction and there's really kind of a, a shift happening to the next in the car hobby and in the you know the car building industry but also hobby on kind of what is the next what is the collecting hobby going to look like as this generation passes and the next one takes over um you know i just learned of a uh, the passing of a, a large car collector in the Midwest. I think he passed away about a month, month and a half ago. And uh, one of the large brass era collections and, and questions about, you know, where are those cars going to wind up? And, and, you know, especially with brass era market, the, the way it is, things like that. So it's, it's definitely an, as we lose some of these people that had so much knowledge that is, you know, hopefully being passed down. It's just one of those things it's hard to believe and we need to take advantage. You know, I've got a friend who's been in the Lotus community since the late 50s and everybody encourages him, you need to write down these stories, you need to tell these stories, you need to maybe write a book. And he just, you know, he's such a humble guy. He just, oh, they're just part of my life. They're nothing important. But when, you know, when he's gone, we're going to lose a lot of firsthand accounts. Another automotive passing from either earlier this year or late last year was Ron Hickman. And he was a Lotus designer. And of course, that's how I know him. But he he also developed the Black & Decker workmate, workmate. Excuse me. It's just one of those weird little things, the little notes and stuff. I was able to pick up a collection of his books where he went through and did his own edits and pencil markings and that. And the remainder of his collection was just donated to a museum in England, uh, one of their national archives, just because he's such an influencer. And he, you know, it's, you know, we've got all, again, all these icons that are slipping and passing, and it's great. Some of them have written books. I recently learned, you know, Lee Iacocca is uh, close to the end. He's in his early 90s and is having severe Parkinson's issues and, well, we're making this a uh, year-end wrap-up, I, I guess. Uh, uh, I think we could talk about a lot of the uh, automotive people that have passed this year, but we've kind of uh, always avoided those topics on the show. Not only are we losing people, but we're losing—we're still losing more and more that are being produced in the world. So. It's an interesting time all the way around in the auto industry, I think. Yeah, I think you're alluding to, uh, well, let's see here. You know, Volkswagen killed off the Beetle this year. Uh, it's last year for the Beetle. There's a couple of the other, there's a couple other big cars that are kind of slipping away from us. The Dodge Viper? Uh, the Viper, yeah, passed a year or two ago. but yeah, A year ago, a year ago. We yeah. lost that one. Um, I'm going to, let's see here. I'll say we're going to lose the front-engine Corvette eventually here, it sounds like. <laughs> um, other than, let's see, what am I thinking? What? <laughs> what? I didn't, what? You? What are you talking about, John? I don't, what? Uh, well, we're losing uh, the American sedans. I mean, Ford killed off their entire car line. I mean, I, people know I have my SHO, and that, that car is no more after the 2000, somewhere in the 2019 model year. Ford's really not giving drop dead dates on these, but, you know, the only thing they're keeping around is the Mustang and the Ford GT. And of course, we've had photos of the four door Mustang and 
just this week, or I guess last week when you're listening to this podcast, General Motors, without saying it, killed their entire car line with the announcement of, unfortunately, somewhere between ten and 15,000 jobs being lost and five or six plants potentially being shut down between factories and engine assembly plants. And it's just uh, kind of a new world out there in the, the automotive landscape. Still not sure, you know, I don't understand these American companies just conceding the sedans to the uh, imports. I mean, Ford and Chevrolet are saying, we can't sell cars, and for, or Honda and Toyota go, oh, oh yeah, we, we only sell two million Accords and Camrys every year. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to look at some customer satisfaction surveys and maybe build what the people want. Kind of my statement on that. How do, how do you guys feel with this uh, abandonment of the automotive landscape of uh, American sedans? I, I had a, a long discussion, actually, with my wife about this, because uh, actually her home is basically Lordstown, Ohio, which is where the Chevy Cruze is made. It's being, yeah, one of the plants that's being idled early next year. And actually, she has family out of there, actually, just last year early this year so kind of fortunate that they retired out before all this happened you know oh toyota makes so many cars and and honda and all these and and gm and ford are conceding and part of it but i don't think that truly is the the biggest factor here and i i think one of one of the big things here is we i think we've talked about it on the show a little bit before We've really got to look at the fact that in 25, 30 years, the automobile industry and the automobile landscape, the automotive landscape that we are familiar with in all generations before us is not even going to be close to the same. Autonomous vehicles are going to be taking over. There's going to be push to different green technologies and all of the things that are, are, you know, we're on the precipice of, I think Ford and GM are more concerned right now, not necessarily that they're conceding to the foreign uh, import market of these cars coming over, but rather, you know, they're trying to get a jump on, the technology that lies ahead so they aren't left behind as past. You know, we can look back at the past and look at the birth of the import market, the mistakes that the mobile industry made post gas crisis of the 1970s, building behemoth land yachts of the 1980s and the import market to even take off the way it did. I think that's that's a bigger factor in this in some ways is that we automobile industry haven't quite prepared ourselves yet and this is the the hard realization moment of we got to shift gears got to be ready for the future. I mean that that's what I'm seeing in it. Do you think that it I don't really know where to go from here. Um you know they're putting a lot of tariffs on stuff coming from overseas. Now I, I am 100% made in America guy. If, if, if I got to spend more to buy something that's made in America, that's what I'm going to do um, personally and through my, my business. So I don't want to really get this taken out of context. Back in the day when all of this, you know, production jobs, were created corporate America was taking advantage of the workers. So therefore the union was created to, you know, honest days work for honest days pay, so to speak. Now it's almost like the union's taking advantage of that situation. And, you know, these factory workers are making a really, really, really good living and not, not saying that it's an easy job, or anything like that. But ultimately, that's one of the things that have really driven the price up on American-made automobiles. And, 
yeah, I mean, the if I'm going to go buy a four-door sedan, I'm going to want to buy an American-owned company's vehicle, whether it's made in the United States or not, which, you know, a lot of them are. They're at least assembled in the United States. You know, that could lead, that could be leading to part of this problem, too, is, you know, when an Impala costs as much as a, a uh, you know, a Tahoe, which I'm not sure if they do. I don't really keep up with that a whole lot. You're going to go buy a Tahoe. Most people are. I don't own a sedan right now. Uh, I hadn't owned one in, in several years. Um, but just, you know, kind of thinking about it from another direction. And, you know, nowadays it, it's, I hate to complain about the union because I grew up, my dad was a, you know, part of the union and, you know, I grew up with union dollars. So, but it's almost now it's like they're, they're, they're fighting for people's jobs that they shouldn't be fighting for their job for. And, and, you know, so they're getting, they're getting paid a really, really good salary to go in there and do nothing. Ultimately at the end of the day, the consumer is the one that has to absorb that cost. I grew up in a Caterpillar town union and non-union and had friends on both sides of the fence. So I've played both, both, both areas of that, and I always prefer to buy, you know, buy American, and I like seeing the jobs and stuff here. It's an inter, you know, it's an interesting world, and I don't think we can necessarily blame unions or the factory workers, especially in the General Motors case or even the Ford case. You know, it goes back to my question: Why can you know, the Accord and Camry sell so well and the Taurus and the Impala can't or the, the Fusion, I guess the Fusion and the Impala can't sell that well. Well, that's and, true. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to butt in because we we know the Honda Accord's made. I mean, it's made in Alabama. You know, it's a non-union plant. Those guys make good money that work there. But Honda don't take no crap either. If you're not doing your job, they'll tell you to leave right then. You know, the Camry is also American-made. I believe it's made in California, and Civics are made in Ohio. And you know, years ago when I had my Ram people, and I got rid of a Nissan, and I lived in Kansas at the time, people go, oh, it's good to see you got an American truck. Well, the Nissan was made in Indiana, and the Ram was made in Mexico. Yep, there you go. But, you know, it's not that. Mm-hmm. I think some of the, the fault lies to the executives and the white-collar people in these automotive companies that they can't. Again, make a car that we want. And we've talked about it before. Americans were so excited. American car people. You know, the General Motors said, we're bringing the GTO back. We're going to bring the Holden, you know, up from Australia, and we're going to sell that. We're going to have a high-performance V8 sedan that seats four. And then all of a sudden, we got the GTO, which was toned down and, you know, Oh, we need cup holders and we need heated seats and no. And all of a sudden, General Motors goes, "Well, why didn't this car sell?" And it gets a, you know a four-year model run and goes away. It's because you didn't bring what you promised us. We want. Look at Porsche. Mm-hmm. You know, Porsche will sell you a car with whatever you want, and they'll you know they make the 911 in 18 different ways. And you can get it without a radio, as light as you want, or you can get the thing with you know. It'll coddle you and pamper you, and and I think you can get a 911 Turbo S that rides as nice as a Lincoln Continental, or even the you know the GT3 Touring. Why do we need a GT3 Touring? Well, because people will pay for it, and there's a lot of money in that. But the, the American manufacturers, you go and you order a car, and you get five option packages. You know, I want rear window defrost, but I don't want heated mirrors or something. Or take my van, for instance. I didn't want rear glass in it, but I wanted side glass. But to get side glass, I had to get rear glass. It doesn't make sense. Give me these individual things. Lee Iacocca, that was part of his saving grace on Chrysler. He didn't stock the dealerships with a bunch of cars nobody wanted. You had to order, and you had to wait four or six weeks back in 1983, 84 to get a car, you went in and you ordered exactly what you wanted, and a few weeks later, you got the car you wanted. And, yeah, it's a little bit expensive, and you might lose some sales, 
but you are giving the American public what they want, and it worked, and it saved Chrysler. And by the end of that decade... Now, now, if I butt in, John, uh, didn't Chrysler just try that again? And, and, and I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look it up to know all the details. Maybe you do. But wasn't there an attempt to do that with the new, was it the Dodge Dart? When you could go in and order it and the way you wanted it? Was that the, the Dart? I don't recall that. You know, recently I know that, you know, they came out with a color palette for the Viper and there were, you know, 80,000 colors or anything you could dream of. They'll paint your Viper that color. I don't remember that 100% on the Dart, but maybe it did exist. But that's only one car. And you're trying to, again, retrain the buying habit of the public with one car that, excuse me, wasn't a fabulous car to begin with. Yeah, but true, I think if true. you did that with all of a sudden the Challenger line or the um, Charger line, I think you could have you would have a fairly successful run. I mean, yeah, you could go ahead and throw some, you know, six cylinders on the lot and then, you know, a Hellcat or two. But that's kind of the, the cool thing with the Hellcats and the Scat Pack cars and that. And you can get them a little bit tailored your way, but you still have to buy your options by the package as opposed to the each. And yeah, there's economics in that, but it's not what I think that's not what car people want. And I think the marketing teams lose that people like you and Will and me and the 8,000 other podcasters out there that talk about cars or the car people are who sell cars, because I can't tell you the number of people who ask me every week, oh, I'm thinking I'm getting a new car. What would you get? Well, what are you looking for? I, you know, And yeah, everybody's looking for a white refrigerator, so you want to buy a Camry or an Accord. I'm sorry, I'm a car guy. I'm going to recommend that to you. But if you want something performance exactly the way you want, I want something lightweight. You know, I don't need a radio in it. I want it a little bit noisy. Again, I'm sending you to a foreign European manufacturer because the Americans can't do it or won't do it. Did we go down a bad road there? And you know, I, I no, no, no. I think I think that we would also see if if that. I think we might also see longevity in models again. In in some ways think about it one of the biggest things will you know bring this tie this back to the collector car community uh and and i even see it in the the corvette even with modern corvettes everybody wants to track down the history on their car and made like it so you know you can you know as long as documentation was kept by the factory or you know s- somewhere that are reels from the factory, people are when when these cars get old enough they start getting collected and carry that brand loyalty in a way, but they also get so embedded in it in the fact that well. Like my GTO, the the owner, seventy four Pontiac GTO that I owned, the owner before it, or before I had it, had gotten all the the Pontiac Historical Society document, and in reading through it, you know, we had determined that it was one of six hundred eighty seven produced with the exact package on it, so we were able to kind of tell that. And of course, that's because that was in the day where you could walk into the dealership and say, "Hey, I want to order a brand new 1974, but uh, you know, I want it to be the uh, baseline Ventura, and then I want to add the custom package, and then I want to add the GTO package. I'm sure, it's a hatchback with a four-speed transmission. You could pick everything you wanted, and I think that makes those cars." Because people start getting interested in, oh, I have one of 200 built this way. And I'll tell you, in the Corvette world, you know, the library and archive, the Corvette Museum, we maintain the build sheets from the Bowling Green plant. 
And we get research requests regularly on four or five-year-old Corvettes of, can you guys tell me how many were made exactly the way mine was built? And sometimes we can prove that it's one of one or built with that option package. And, and people love that. They, they grab onto that. And that's one of the things that, as you say, John, you know, Americans kind of want to do with our cars. We want to make them the way we want them. We don't want to just buy a cookie cutter car and go drive it around. Okay. At least some of us don't want to buy a cookie cutter car. I know there's a large majority of Americans out there that probably don't care, but as you say, John, for the car guys who are actually going to go to cars and brag about the car, that's what we want. Well, I think you're right there. And it's there are the people that want the cookie cutter cars and they're going to buy the cookie cutter cars, which are low profit. But the, the car people will spend the money. Porsche proves it, you know, every year with their varying models. And, you know, Corvette does a nice job of that. And I had a friend with a Challenger. Chrysler will do that with the, you know, build sheets and I'll let you know. And he was very happy. He had one of four of, I think, a 2010 or 2012 Challenger, you know, with his options. And he, you know, when he'd go to shows, he'd show it that way. He's now a Hellcat owner. And I don't know, but I'm sure he's giving them their extra 50 bucks or 75 bucks for that build sheet. Now, many years ago, I read the book, All Corvettes Are Red. And in that book, they talked about Corvette going to a marketing plan very similar to Porsche's and possibly spinning the Corvette off into its own nameplate, which, of course, makes Chevrolet dealers all upset. But I really don't think it's a bad idea. And I think in recent months, in the you know, 12, last 12, 18 months, I think we see that kind of happening. The especially with the C7 era Corvettes. Maybe we can go back to 2014 or 16 when that came out. It was, you know, you can get a base Z51 Corvette, or you can spend a little bit more and, you know, get a Z06, or spend a little bit more and get a, you know, King of the Hill ZR1. And then there's dozens of options available, and dozens of colors, and different suspensions, and brakes, and tires, and, you know, all of these little things. And options are where the profits add in cars. Yes, I understand SUVs. You buy, you know, a Suburban, General Motors makes $14,000 profit on it, you know, even after you've saved your 15000 bucks. But that's the problem with the Impalas and that is we want an Impala SS that is a fun car that reminds us of the 96 Impala SS or the 64 Impala SS. and goes fast and has the option packages we want. And the Corvette does a nice job. And now we're going to see the, I believe, I believe it's official. Maybe it came out today. The, you know, mid-engine Corvette. So now there's four cars in the Corvette lineup to give you exactly what you want and how much money you want to spend. Do you want to spend 60 grand? Do you want to spend 80 grand? Do you want to spend 100 grand? Do you want to spend 120? Or do you want to spend 180? We've got a car for you. Uh, the top goes down, the top comes off, the top stays on. It, it's its own line. It's very reminiscent of what Porsche did with the 911. In the 911, all, it, it, it's its own money-making machine. It prints money. And I just, I love seeing that about the Corvette. And I would love to see more cars produced that way. And, you know, how many Corvettes do they sell per year? Maybe you know that number, Derek. They don't make them because they lose money. You know, if, if that car lost money, General Motors would kill it, too. But they're obviously making some money on a car that's very limited production. Yeah, production varies uh, by year, by order, obviously. But, you know, it's it's like the ZR, like when they bring out some of the special packages, like um, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think that's limited to maybe a run of about 3,500 cars. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exact numbers right off the top of my head, but yes, they, especially when they bring out, you know, special packages, they usually keep those pretty tight to make it uh, a desired and sought after. Okay. I just, uh, popped up 2016. They sold 40,000 Corvettes. That's a pretty good number. And that's up 6,500, so they sold 34,015. 
that's still a pretty low number. So the car's got to be making some, you know, making some profit somewhere. I see them every now and then, but Corvettes aren't advertised every weekend with a $10,000 rebate. And, you know, so the guy coming in and buying a Corvette probably already has a Z51 pickup or what is it, Z71 pickup or has a Denali or has a Cadillac or something, or the wife's got an SRX or what is it, the AT4, or I can't remember the Cadillac designations now. Cadillac, follow forward and start naming your cars again. Get rid of the stupid letters. Lincoln learned it. Now Cadillac's got to relearn it. You know, that's kind of, I think, I don't know how we really ended up on this topic, but let's build the cars us. Let's build the cars the car people want, and then we're going to advertise for your company. You know, I'm going to pull up in my Corvette, and you're going to go, oh, it's a Corvette, blah, 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 and, you know, what else do you drive? Well, I got a, you know, you know, v, Cadillac something V in my garage. Oh, is that a good car? And you know, maybe the guy I'm talking to is not going to run out and buy a something V or, you know, in my case, go out and buy an SHO. But I've sold a few Taurus. They might be SELs. You know, I've sold a few uh, Fusion Sports because you can buy a Fusion Sport for about ten grand less, and really you've got about the same car with the weight difference that you do with the SHO. Those cars are going away. What you know, I'm I like the F one fifty, but um, let's just yeah, I guess I I'm gonna stop there. Will, you've been quiet. What, what, I, I want to know what yeah. Will has to say. I, I think he fell asleep. He's talking, but I'm not hearing him. Will, un, unmute your mic. Hey, how about that? Yeah, that works a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I've just been listening, had my feet propped. Is is that actually why you haven't been? You were talking, you just didn't have your, no, your mic no, on? No, no, actually not. Um, I've just been listening, had my feet propped up on my cooler, you know, underneath my desk and taking it all in. You know, I really don't have much to say about it. I mean, it sucks that they're going away. But I can't complain about it too much because I'm not out buying an Impala or a Charger or, you know, any any sedan or a Fusion or SHO or anything. I'm just, those cars don't appeal to me. They're not cool. They don't look good. But look at it this way, Will. Stand up from your desk, walk and open that office door. Everything in your shop is built exactly the way the person wanted it. They're spending a lot of money to do it. Not everybody's got a hundred grand, two hundred grand, three hundred grand to give you, but they'll, you know, because I can finance it through the bank, I'll give Chrysler eighty thousand dollars for exactly what I want. Well, okay, here you go. Here's here's a perfect example. Right now, I have one, two, three, four, five cars in just the fab shop. Okay. These are the guys that are spending a lot of money at Big Oak Garage. Okay. The guy we're doing the Impala for drives a truck. The guy we're doing the 56 Chevrolet for drives a truck. The guy we're doing the 57 Chevrolet for drives a truck. The, dude, the guy we're building the Bronco for drives a truck. The guy we're doing the Cadillac for. I don't know what he drives every day, but every time he's come up here, he's been in his big motorhome. You know, so, I mean, these are guys that have money to go buy whatever they want, have it. They could go buy a brand new Impala and have it built exactly the way they wanted it. But what are they driving? They're driving trucks. Yeah, but they need the trucks to tow what you're building for them. These guys don't <laughs> tow their cars anywhere. I do. Okay, well, well, two questions for you. Yeah. Number one, if all the the sedans are are stop being produced, where are you going to get your uh, parts from modern cars to put into your, 
rods, okay. uh, such as like the door handles and, and things like that, that you always like to, to steal from cars and, and work them into the, the, uh, the hot rods you're building. Yep. Number two, if there's no sedans being built now, what are hot rodders in the future going to do for cars to hot rod? Okay. Then I don't have one single four door sedan in my shop. Okay. Um, so to answer the second question first, we're going, we're not going to be restoring our hot rodding four door Impalas. Uh, we're not going to be restoring our hot rodding focuses, SHOs. I just don't see that happening now. Mustangs, Corvettes, Camaros. Yeah. You know, that's what people want. And that's why the four-door sedans are going away. It's That's what people want. And to answer the first question is I'm trying to think of the last time that I used a part off of a four-door sedan car, and that would be the Dart. Okay. Fusion shifter linkage. Well, it's the same thing that's in a Dodge truck. Essentially, I could have went and got it off of a Dodge truck or a Cadillac SRX or um, I'm sure there's probably a Mustang that has that by now, you know? Um, so that's that's not the end of the world there. Uh, but I'm thinking, well, hey, I'm thinking sedan only, and that was actually on the dark. We used the Dodge Dart seal plates that come in the new Dodge Dart. They're really cool looking. One of the coolest pieces on the entire car. Um, we used those. And then what was the, which this was a two-door. It was a hardtop convertible that Dodge made, Chrysler made. With Sebring? Uh, no, it was it was newer than that. Um, they were new. Uh, the 200? The 200. The 200 hardtop convertible, the seal that goes on the quarter glass, it was a piece of extruded aluminum with a really nice seal that kind of slid up in there into place. I used that part on the dart as well. Yeah, it sucks that they're gone. Um, but, I mean, they're just not selling. How How can you... I mean, how can you keep something in production if you're not selling it? I mean, why why are you going to keep making something if you're not selling it? And that's kind of my argument. I, and I'm not trying to pile on your harassia <laughs> there. No, no, but, that's but, fine. But that's it's, fine. I'm fine. if they would build the car that you could have, I mean, trucks have dozens of options. And, you know, your your people and your customers drive trucks. But they're building cars. Maybe they'd build buy a car if they could get a car tailored the way their truck is. I think it would be awesome if, if somebody would go buy a brand new four door Impala and bring it to me and let me do my thing to it, dude. I could make a two door Impala out of that thing and make it super cool. That ain't what the guys are wanting to spend their money on. I mean, there, I'm sure there's somebody out there that would think that was cool and would be willing to spend the money to do that. Uh, we've all um, seen West Coast choppers put a old charger on a new charger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to go to somebody like West Coast Customs or... Yeah, them, not West Coast choppers. You know, some Somebody like that to um, to build that car. You know, could we do it here? Of course we could do it here. We can... You know, we could modify anything from a brand new car to, a, you know, the first car ever made. It doesn't really matter. I don't know. It's just it's just not what people want. Um, obviously, it's not what I want because I don't even, like I said, I don't even own a, I don't even own a sedan right now. I have pickup trucks and SUVs is all I got. I don't know. Derek, what do you drive? <laughs> I know the question. I know the answer. I have a moped. Yeah, yeah. That'll fit in the bed of your <laughs> Ford truck. <laughs> yes, yes, I do have an I 
Yes, I also have a Ford Falcon. I also have a few other things. My wife drives a Subaru Forester. Well, we're not talking about Subarus and Hondas and you know, which is which is why don't uh, SUV. So okay, well, why don't your drive? Why don't your wife drive a uh, an all-wheel drive Fusion or SHO or you know something like that? Yeah. You want to know why? You want you want to know the honest reason why? And here's another problem with the American yeah, auto industry and not building cars the way the people because you can't get a stick shift in an American car anymore. There you go. Because Christine, I love her, and this is one of the things that I love her for. She will only drive or the only vehicles she wants to use as a daily driver are stick shifts. There you go. Perfect example. I have if, uh, I have females in my life the same way. <laughs> so. Can can you buy? Can you go buy that SHO that you have, John, in a straight ship? No, you cannot. You cannot. Okay, so the SHO that my father owned and my sister owned, uh, I believe it was a '93 with the um, the Yamaha V6 in it. No, it was a straight shift. The old the old ones were, but that kind of goes to the whole car buying. I mean, BMW M cars don't come with straight shifts in them anymore. But <laughs> can you get a straight shift in it? No. Then so you, you can't hardly you can't even hardly buy a BMW with a straight shift. Yeah, the, the M division used to say they will always be available with a manual transmission, but the new M4 and the new uh, is it the M8 or the M6? is not available with a straight shift transmission anymore. It's Uh, kind of a sad day when BMW, M division, you know, and I understand the the wanting of a manual transmission. My ex-wife loved a manual transmission. Uh, Zara wanted a manual transmission in the car she was looking for. And with some discussions, we did elect to go with an automatic in it, but there's some underlying reasons behind that but believe me she would love to have a manual transmission car to drive and she liked that about the hyundai that i had is it was a six speed that became a van which she hates a lot of things about her i I kind of i can understand what you're saying on that of course i'm a sedan person but prior to that you know i had an edge sport so it was an suv and before that i had a ford f-150 uh you know, the four-door cab with a hard bed liner or bed cover. And I always said, that's the new Crown Vic. You know, the Crown Vic went away. And if you wanted you wanted a vehicle that seated or sat six that had a big trunk, an F-150 with a hard bed cover is the way to go. I mean, even, even police officers don't even hardly drive sedans anymore. You know, I mean, General Motors came out with the uh, Impala SS. And the police interceptor in that was absolutely badass. I mean, that car would had really good suspension. It had, you know, one of the best engine platforms that's ever been created. Um, you know, and they didn't work. Yeah. You know, or or people didn't buy them. I don't know if they didn't work or people just the they didn't catch on in the you know police community. Um, but you know, the the city of Hoax Bluff, they hadn't bought a sedan in in years. Um, they're driving Ford F one fifties and Ford um, Explorers. That's what they're driving. C- city of Gadsden all have Tahoes. Yeah, Hoover has all uh, Chevrolet products, but they had a falling out with Ford. Uh, that's all Tahoes. Um, but I, I do enjoy and. Matter of fact, I'll post a picture of it when uh, sometime this week when I was going back to Illinois for my grandfather's funeral, we were taking some two lanes and I drove through this little town and it must be where the Illinois State Police store their brand new cars. It was nothing but Explorers and Taurus Police Interceptors. And yeah. the the it leaned really heavily to the uh, Explorers. And it, do, was, it does, I, does make sense. I was in Decatur the other day. A buddy of mine's shop is right across the street from um, the main police building. And they had about 15 or 20 brand new Tahoes sitting out there. You know, I mean, they're not using the sedans anymore either. I mean, nobody is. 
Yeah, so, you, you get a better viewing angle. You know, you've got a bigger vehicle. And I think on a police, you know, if you're in a police chase and you're trying to do a pit maneuver or something, it's safer for the police officer to be in the same thing he's pursuing, which is an SUV. So I, I, I'll give you that one. The days of the uh, police car are pretty much past. Yeah, they're gone. You know, when the, when the, obviously when General Motors and where this started and in our miraculous go full circle and General Motors and Ford in car production, there's no more Impala SS police cars. There's no more Ford SHO police, you know, police package, police cruisers. And it, they're not going to have a choice but to go with Explorers or um, Tahoes. Heavy chargers. Yep. Your, and then I guess some, uh, Alabama does have those as some uh, police cars. And I they see, do. <laughs> I see those every now and then. Fortunately, not in my rearview mirror. Kentucky State Police use them. I got a, a good friend of mine that's a police officer. And, man, he loved the Crown Vicks. Absolutely loved them. Well, and, most uh, cops I know love the Crown Vic. And when when... You know, he got bumped out of his Crown Vic into an Explorer. He hated it. You know, I mean, absolutely hated it. And, uh, you know, he went from a cop car to a soccer mom car, you know, or vehicle. And, (laughs) oh, he does not like it at all. So, but the chief and um, the investigator here in Oaks Bluff, they got, you know, F-150s. So... I don't know. Well, did we accomplish anything this evening or <laughs> this evening in uh, chatting here? I think Derek and I are obviously on one side of this argument. Will's on another, and that's what makes it great is three people, three opinions. I think we solved all the world's problems. Not all of them, but a good majority of them this evening. I wouldn't say I'm totally on the opposite side of you guys. Because I don't want to see them gone. I mean, yeah, you are. Just... <laughs> Maybe y'all think I am, but you know, I don't want to see any, you know, name like the Impala done away with, or you know, the Malibu or whatever they have now. You know, I mean, they need to, you know, I don't know. Maybe all from in a two door again, and not not all four doors. But I mean, here's here. Okay, here's another thing with with the way this is. I have a daughter that's 14 years old, and we've been talking, you know, cars, what she wants, blah 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 blah. And she wants a four door car. She does not want a two door car. And I'm like, what, what is what is wrong with you? You know, I I, I didn't want a four door car when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. You know, drive through a high school parking lot. And look how many two-door vehicles are in the parking lot. Not very, which they don't make a lot anymore, so that's part of the problem, too. But, I mean, she does not want a two-door car. There's part of the problem right there, too. She's a 14-year-old girl. She probably has a lot of friends, am I right? Yeah, but, you know. A lot of girlfriends? You need a seating room to haul your girlfriends around to do all the things you want to do, and a four-door car achieves that. But it, it, it's a state law in Alabama. I don't know exactly what it is, but you can only haul siblings with you when you're if you're under 18, I'm pretty sure. So she's just making what she needs for when she's ready to have her friends running around. Well, I was going to... Uh kind of conclude today and I'm looking at this little scroll and thinking about what Will said today was the first day of the LA Auto Show the day we're recording um, November 28th 2018 and I'm looking at the list I was going to bring up the new uh, Jeep uh, Jeep pickup I can't remember what it's called the Jeep um, uh, Gladiator you know it looks like a Wrangler with a pickup truck bed which goes right along with what Will was saying but it got me thinking Okay, let's see here. Lexus introduced a compacted SUV. Dodge introduced Santa's sleigh. Mazda actually introduced a four-door Mazda 3 
kind of car-ish, SUV-ish thing. Um, Mercedes. All those crossovers. It, not quite as big as a crossover, but you could almost call it that. Uh, there's a new Honda Pilot that slips between the CRV and the um, I can't think of the name of their Pilot, their SUV. And then the only cars that really you know premiered, uh, Mercedes has the new AMG GT Coupe. Bentley's well, they, the Continental GT, still the same damn car they've been selling for twelve years. Uh, with some new head, yeah, but it's the size of a truck. New headlights. Um, I guess Toyota. Well, surprise, new Corolla. Uh, but that's also now available in a wagon, and so is the Camry, which kind of hints to that SUV crowd. Porsche, of course, has their new lineup and is introducing the new <laughs> the new nine eleven. Yeah, Will's kind of right. Everything that's coming is a truck. Um, not sure I like this new nine eleven. A Hyundai had an SUV, Mercedes, well, wow, a new G-Class. Audi had an electric car. I mean, heck, even the next Tesla that's supposed to come out is supposed to be a truck. So, I don't know. Maybe we should just concede. Derek and I are wrong. Will's right. And uh, uh, the world's going to <laughs> go, going to heck in a truck. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait, here's the new Corvette ZR1. So, that's a car, too. Did we... Uh, Really solve the world problems, or should I just want to say, for will, I don't think the Impala name is going to go away, but when they finally bring out autonomous pod vehicles, is the M, and it'll be known as the Ipala. You know. Oh Lord! (laughs) Wow. Well, with that, I'm going to conclude the show. I'm going to let all the listeners know that we're kind of going to do a Christmas uh, schedule, but we'll have episodes out on the um, 3rd, 10th, 17th, and 31st. We'll not have an episode on Christmas Eve. There's no sense in you listening to the three of us uh, during your Christmas celebrations. If so, go back and listen to one of our classic episodes. But we're only going to take the one week off for Christmas. Uh, Who knows what hosts you'll get throughout the next month, but with that, maybe we, well, we didn't come to a conclusion tonight. So, I'm out of here. I'll win. See you guys later. <laughs>